Welcome to the Elevate Podcast. Thank you for tuning in. Thank you for listening. This episode, I've got another fantastic guest, Alistair McCall. He is the author of multiple best-selling books, including Champion Minded, which we have linked up here for you to check out as well. He consults and advises on leadership, team culture, and mindset. You can see why I like him. As a consultant, author, and keynote speaker, he has extensively traveled the world sharing his insights and experiences with some of the top leaders, performers, teams, and organizations. For over 25 years, he has consulted and worked with, amongst others, Olympic gold medalists, Grand Slam champions, Fortune 500 companies, NCAA colleges, and professional sports team. Also, I highly recommend checking out his Champion Minded podcast. Welcome to the Elevate Podcast, Alistair McCaw. As an athlete, you've completed over 29 marathons, is that correct? Yes. Um, to be honest with you, I was, I was going to go for 50, but I had a few complications uh, a year or two ago with my heart, so... I had to put that on the shelf, but it still is still is my goal. Um, but yeah, twenty nine and counting. Hopefully, that's that's awesome. What is the the greatest lesson that running a marathon teaches you? Well, I think for me, it's you only know what shape you're in when once you get to mile twenty. Um, you know, you can feel, and I'm sure anybody that's run a marathon before or, or done something with you know with regards distance, uh, you know you can feel great. You know, you can feel great going through halfway, you know, through the half marathon mark. And then you start to maybe pick up the pace or push it. And that's been, you know, some of the, the biggest mistakes I've made were, you know, la- the last five Ks in a marathon is very, very long. You know, the last three miles is actually very, very long because, you know, your legs are tired, your body's tired, but I've learned that you've got to have a game plan. It's pretty much like life. Uh, you've got to have a game plan to, to how you're going to, um, run your race. Um, there's got to be checkpoints along the way. You've got to stay hydrated. You've got to stay uh, eating from the beginning. You know, big mistakes a lot, a lot of people make is they, they eat or drink too late in the race and it's, it's too late. Um, but definitely uh, have a game plan. And also if you're feeling good by 20 miles, 21 miles, then you can start pushing a little bit, but not before that. That's what I've learned. <laughs> That's the, uh, that 20 mile mark seems to be the, uh, the tell. It is. That's, that's where you, that's where, you know, you're going to have either a decent day or not. So, I mean, like I said, and I've seen it at Olympic level, I've seen it at world championship level where, you know, you can blow up at mile 25, you know, one mile to go. A mile is still a long way to go when, when your body is just giving in. (laughs) For sure. You also uh, completed uh, and competed in uh, duathlons, um, which is running and biking for those that, uh, you know, might not know, or if you really don't like swimming that that might be your thing pretty um, much pretty much that, that describes duathlon it's it's for those who can't swim <laughs> uh, uh and enduring those was there a mental skill you called upon the most um in, in those long days yeah for sure i think one of the qualities i had and you know this is what gave me inspiration to write my second book champion minded was you know as a kid i learned very quickly that you didn't necessarily need um you know, I didn't have the most talent. I wasn't always the first pick for the soccer team or the cricket team. I was brought up in South Africa, so we played a lot of sports there. But I knew that uh, hard work, self-discipline, um, 
uh, work ethic, as I mentioned, attitude, being coachable. I knew at a very young age, I'm probably talking 11, 12, that those would be my strengths. Those were things that I, there's no excuse. You, you know, you, you don't need talent for that. And that's something that I was inspired to write with Champion Minded. That's what Champion Minded is all about, is using all those things that don't require talent. And, um, you know, from a young age, uh, I was working on the mindset without really realizing it. I would write down affirmations. I'd always be writing down goals. I'd stick them above my bed. This is when I was, like I said, 11, 12, 13. Um, I even remember uh, having a picture of Rocky, Rocky Balboa. And I cut oh, a yeah, I cut a picture of myself out and put my head on his. And nice. those were just some of the things that, you know, I was a kid. I didn't realize it at the time, but already I was working on my mindset and I was working on visualizing myself being at the world championships one day, which, you know, I was very, very blessed that I got to compete in five of those. Um, so it started at a very young age. You know, I always, you know, I always talk about you've got to see your vision. You know, it's another word for dream. I, I like to use vision because it's more conscious. Sure. Um, but from a young age, my vision was to be a champion and, um, that's, that started then. So, yeah. Well, uh, we will have, uh, your book champion minded linked up to this podcast, um, from being a competitor, you know, at that level, what kind of inspired kind of the pivot into more the, the mental training and the mindset, um, work that you do now? Yeah. Um, you know, my background was obviously in, in high performance, you know, uh, fitness, uh, sports science, etc. But I'd had a really good career there. And at that same time, I was still working with athletes from a mindset point of view, but I just wasn't known as a mindset coach. I was still known as a performance coach, for example. So it's something that I've, that's fascinated me all, all my life, um, having seen and witnessed obviously sport at the highest level and, and being at world championships and being with athletes to us open and wimbledon and all these amazing events it really comes down to the mindset really you know they're everybody's skilled um you know i always say go and watch the top 100 tennis players practice and you probably if you didn't know who i'm just saying nadal federer djokovic were you probably wouldn't be able to tell who the best player is there because they're all the same when they're practicing they're highly skilled but when, when the lights go on, when the cameras are rolling, that's what differentiates the, the mentally tough athletes from, from the rest. And the margins are so, so small. How do you deal with those pressure moments? So for me, I'd always be fascinating watching sports and waiting for that moment. You know, we saw in the Super Bowl with the Seahawks and, and the New England Patriots what happened that, you know, that, that um, uh, in, in that Super Bowl final as well, like pressure moments. How, what do you decide? How do you, how do you yeah. respond to that? So um, I knew that I would go into it eventually. I had to, it took me quite a while to lose the fitness performance tag, uh, you know, because I was known as that guy. But I think today I'm now known as, you know, culture, leadership, mindset. And that was, that's something um, that I, that's a great passion for me. No doubt. Um you mentioned uh, some of the world championships and Wimbledon and those things being around some of the top athletes. Uh, is there a lesson that you learned from uh, an athlete or a coach along the way that kind of sticks out along your journey? Yeah, I think, you know, no athlete is the same. And, and one of the key, key things is that you've got to be adaptable. In fact, you know, I was sitting with um, coach K Mike Krzyzewski last year at Duke. I, I consulted Duke and um you know, I asked him, you know, what inspires you to, to be here for 40 seasons, you know, at, at, at Duke? And 
he said to me, you know, have a look over there. He, he had his, um, his cabinet with all the training programs. And he said, there's 40 seasons there and you won't find one the same. Uh, so there's no copy and paste. So for example, we had a great season last season. Let's just do the same this year. He says, because the sport stays the same, but the people change. So what I'm getting to is adapt, adapting. One of the key things I've learned is you've got to be able to adapt to the athletes in front, that's in front of you or the client or the customer. So we can have people sure. listening to this right now that maybe not are in sport, but it's about adapting to, to that person. And that's something that, you know, obviously Coach K is obviously one of the most uh, successful basketball coaches around, or, or should I say in sports coaching. For sure. um, and he says the key is, ad is adapting. So um, what have athletes taught me so much? Um, I've, I've had athletes who have called me out, maybe not being focused enough. You know, I had a, a Canadian hockey player uh, who, uh, you know, I was, <clears throat> and this is good, you know, this is what, what we talk about standards, checking my phone. And, you know, she said to me, you're not focused, you're not here. And it was very, okay. And I respected that, you know, I was, I was a little bit shocked about it at first, but I respected that. And I never did that again, for example. Um, so that's one thing I was taught. Um, tone of voice, how you speak to someone is very important. Um, what else? Um, so, so many lessons, uh, so many lessons about humility, so many lessons about uh, empathy, understanding why an athlete is like that. So yeah, and, and that's beauty. It's, I'm still learning today. For sure. I think one of the things that that sport provides us, you gotta, you gotta keep learning. And when you talk about uh, adaptability, a, a good theme for the times that we find ourselves in a, a little bit when it comes to sports and working with student athletes, um, with so many student athletes having shifting schedules, cancellations, especially, you know, if they're dealing with school at this level uh, in high school or college, what are maybe one of the tips or one or two tips that you would remind athletes to keep a focus on during these difficult times that where there is maybe a heightened level of uncertainty, you're not getting as many answers as we're used to. Um, what are some keys that student athletes can continually see focus on to help them keep moving forward? Yeah, I mean, this is advice I give actually anybody, not just student athletes, and that's have a game plan to your day. Wake yeah. up with uh, uh, routines and have a schedule for your day. I always say set many goals, for example. So at the, be the beginning of the pandemic, for example, I put out a podcast or I put out a, a few messages of I'm setting three goals per day because also my whole schedule has been thrown out as well. I've never been at home so much in my life. 70% um, of my job is traveling. So I've had to learn... I, ne I, never had, I never did a Zoom meeting before uh, <laughs> the pandemic, okay? So uh, now this has become a way of life. So you yeah. just said the big word adapting, it, it's, it's massive. But set mini goals. For example, I set three mini goals per day. It, the first one is exercise, some kind of exercise, which of course is important. And you know what? You might not be sporty. You might not like to go to the gym. Well, I don't like to go to the gym, to be honest, but there's no reason why you can't get out and have a 20-minute walk or do something you enjoy, 20-minute yoga, good. That means that you've achieved one thing. You've done something for yourself. And we know exercise is so important and increases the endorphins and makes you feel good. The second one is um, investing in yourself from reading, researching, learning something today. So I will, read, I will read some articles maybe off Twitter, for example, which I love because it's a quick, quick way of 
of um, going through news, of following interesting people, podcasts like yourself, for example. So, you know, that's where I discovered you. Um, so that's the second one is read something, research something, okay? Even if it's 20 minutes a game and nobody can tell me they don't have 20 minutes. Yeah. And the third one is thoughtfulness, which is relationships, is stay in touch with family, stay in touch with friends. I've reconnected with old friends from school during this, uh, during this pandemic that who knows, maybe I would, might have never done. Um, so yeah. it's, been really, it's been really, really a positive period in, in that respect is that I have um, built up some more relationships and uh, which I probably would have been, and I put this in air quotes because if you're listening to this, you can't see it, would have been too busy for, which we know is an excuse, but um, it really has shifted me. So yes, have a game plan to your day, set many goals, regardless if you're in a pandemic or not. Um, none of us know what the future holds right now. So do all you can today. Um, you know, if, you, if you're a student athlete and you know what field you're going to be going into, great. Uh, maybe find out some more things about that field. Uh, take somebody out for coffee, for example, but remember to wear a mask um, and ask questions. Yeah, yeah, just be very curious. So I, uh, a good advice, especially for college student athletes, it was like scour your alumni in your program and start talking to them now. Like, 100%. It's always one of those things you wish you would have done or wish you would have had time for when when things were more normal. But um, there's when you're a student athlete, there's a lot of people to tap into, um, more so than the real world. I don't really appreciate it that much. You know, if, 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 you know, we go back to when we were 19, 20, whatever, and you'd have these people that would come in and talk and, you know, sometimes it'd be, oh, okay, here we go again, another, another rah-rah speech or another motivational speech or whatever it may be. And, you know, I go into colleges and I go into universities because I consult and I speak to athletes and I put them, I put myself in their shoes. Like, you know, all right, is this going to be another one of those messages, for example? So, um, you know, I, I wish as well I had uh, back then an inclination as in to ask more questions. Don't be afraid to, to you know, today it's so easy. Email, uh, Zoom chat, for example. Back then it wasn't. You'd have to phone somebody, I mean, or, or, or you know, somehow reach them. Today you can reach people on so many mediums. Yeah. Um. And all those skills, I think, you know, make you shaped into a, a better leader. Um, it's one of the big keys that, that you talk about with student athletes is leadership. Uh, if you had to sum up leadership in three words, what would they be and why? Yeah, that's a good question because leadership, you know, we could, <laughs> we could give a hundred things there. So for me, the first one is the great, great leaders today have great emotional intelligence. So they have a clear understanding of themselves and, and they have a clear understanding of others or they try to have a clear understanding of others. So another word for that can be empathy. It can be compassion, for example. So a good emotional intelligence, um, understanding yourself and understanding others. That's what great leaders have today. The second one definitely is courage because, you know, in my job of visiting cultures and, and um, I've seen what's worked, what hasn't worked, Usually cultures where um, it's toxic, the hard conversations are not being had because the leader might lack the courage to have those tough conversations or be that person, so to say. But we see in the history of, of sports and so on and so forth, there's been no coach that's been a pushover or an easy person. They've all been very, very tough people. Phil Jackson, Bill Belichick, uh, Greg Popovich, Pat Summit. 
you know, these are all tough people. Alex Ferguson, if, if you're into, into British football, for, uh, soccer, for yep. example, yep. These, are, these weren't easy people. And that's another thing, uh, you know, and I'm going off the, the off track a little bit here is with all the successful people I've worked with, I haven't come across one easy one. And why they're not easy is because they drive high standards. Yeah. They're people that, that are expecting the top. Like, for example, that, that example of the hockey player I told you about who said, hey, you're not focused. You're yeah. looking on your phone, whatever. And I was like, okay, that was a lesson that taught me to be focused every time I'm with an athlete, for example. They see it. Um, the third thing I'd say in, in, uh, in leadership would be influence. Um, you know, today autocratic leadership doesn't work with this generation with, you know, millennial Z generation, alpha generation, which is coming along now as well. So um, great leadership is about influence, not authority. Now there has to be some type of authority, of course, as in you need to know who the, the leader is, the boss is. And we, again, those people I mentioned before, those great coaches, they have authority as well, but they have influence. They don't, you can't push influence on somebody. You can maybe push authority on somebody, but you can't push influence. I've got to be inspired by you. I've got to be influenced by you. That is how you make an impact. So I would say those three things, um, emotional intelligence, courage, and um, influence. Awesome. And, uh, follow uh, my man, Alistair. If uh, you're not on Twitter and Instagram, we'll have it linked up here. Um, like he said, that's kind of where I, I found him. Um, he, he puts out some great stuff um, throughout your career. And one of the things I admire about you is that willingness to learn the adaptability. You're always getting better. I think there's, there's no, no finish line sometimes. How do you in your life define success? It's pretty simple. And, and, you know, that's one of the first questions I ask people when I'm speaking or um, with a group is how do you define success? Because it's a very interesting question as in what appeals to that person. So for me, success is very simple. It's waking up healthy, which I know might sound cliche, but when you lose your health, you know how much you, you wish you'd have that back. So being successful is waking up healthy, doing what I love to do with who I love to do it with. So for example, through, you know, Jocko Willink talks about um, uh, discipline is freedom. Yep. So I've worked very, very hard up into this stage in my life to be able to uh, dictate what my day is going to be. I work for myself. So I decide what my day is going to be, what I'm going to do, who I'm going to work with. And I've worked myself into a luxury position to be able to choose who I want to work with, who I want my clients to be, um, where I want to go, etc. So for me right now, and I say this humbly, I'm, I'm living a successful life because everybody thinks that success is out there. And will I ever achieve success? Well, you know, if you have a great relationship with your wife, your husband, you go, that's a success. If you're doing well at your job or school, that's a success. Uh, it's always something that we think is out there. So, you know, again, it's like happiness. Yeah. You know, it's not a destination. You choose to be happy right now or not. You know, I, read, I just read the book uh, by Viktor Frankl, you know, Man's Search for Meaning, while I was in Europe uh, two weeks ago. And there you have somebody that's in the Auschwitz and, and going through the, obviously um, the torture camps and he's yeah. choosing his attitude. He's choosing his attitude. And I know that's very extreme, but at the end of the day, you get to choose your, your attitude. Yeah. And, uh, the, uh, you like that book? I've heard that recommended a couple of times. I need to dig into it. Yeah. You know, I, it's something I want to do. Um, 
I was in uh, the Czech Republic last year and it was about an hour over the border to Poland, I think it was. And okay. I was hoping to get a day off to actually take the train and go to one of the Auschwitzes. I didn't realize that there was multiple Auschwitzes. It wasn't just one, um, which are the prisoner of war uh, yeah, uh, yeah. jails, for example, for anyone that doesn't know. Uh, it's a fa fascinating history. And that had been a book that so many people have asked me, Did, have you read it? Have you read it? And I hadn't. And I thought, okay, I have to read this book now. And I definitely recommend it. It's, it's humbling. It's uh, sobering um, what they went through. And I'd also loved, it's on my bucket list is to go visit one of those camps. I know it won't be pleasant, but it's reality. It's history. Yeah. Um, uh, speaking of uh, kind of going back in time, not back quite that far, but um, one of the last questions we like to ask on the, the podcast here is if you could hop into a time machine and just go back to when you were 16 years old, um, from your journey, you're competing at an elite level, working with elite athletes and coaches, what one piece of advice would you tell 16-year-old self? Oh, that is a long time ago, Tyler. Uh, you know, I've, I've got three things. Um, number one, I was a very, very serious kid. I would say don't take life so seriously. You can still be disciplined. You can still work hard, but you don't have to take life so seriously. So it was very hard to laugh at myself when I was a kid. Um, so that would be one thing. It would also to be to have more fun, um, enjoy friendships more. I was very focused on sports. I was very focused on being a champion. And you know what? In a way, there's going to be imbalances. Where there's priorities, there's going to be imbalances. And mine was to be a, a champion athlete. So um, didn't build up many friendships or, or have really a childhood, so to, so to say. Um, but that would be something I'd, I'd, I'd maybe change uh, because at the end of the day, life is about relationships. Um, yeah. You know, you're probably realizing it as well as that it's not necessarily what you know as much. It's, it, that saying is who you know is also very, very important is building connections. You know, look, we're connecting now and who knows who's listening to this that will connect with other people and so on and so forth. So, you know, life is about relationships. Thank you.